Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. Let's start it off with show notes, Karen. We've got our 2018 events still happening this year on August 24th and December 14th. August is already sold out and we still have very limited tickets available for December. You can head over to the website at buysarlo.com to purchase your tickets. Mm-hmm. We have another podcast series called Sips of Sanity and it can be found on that same website under podcasts. It's a 10-minute show. It runs the first week of each month from Monday to Friday, and it offers you a toolkit for emotional and intuitive intelligence. And last but not least, we have gift cards and personal sessions available. They can be purchased and experienced anywhere in the world. Ready to go? Yes. Okay, this is a client story. This is a gentleman that came in to see me named Perry. Um, I've made up the name, of course, but anyway, we're going to call him Perry today. He came in, sat down in the chair across from me and said yes to everything in the consent process and then told me that he had no agenda, that he just heard about me and that he was just coming in to see what this was like. And I said to him, are you sure that you don't have anything in particular, that it's unusual in particular for men to book an appointment? (laughs) Um, and to say they have nothing on their agenda. Yeah, I get it with women, especially women who are spiritual and are coming in for a variety of reasons and come in with an open attitude. Or maybe our more frequent clients as well. Yeah, but this was extremely rare to have a male come in and say he had nothing on his agenda. So he insisted. (laughs) I thought, well, sounds to me like bullshit. So I just said to his spirit guides, what's up with this? And his mom, who passed over, so spirit walked right across the deck, came right into the room, and she said to me, this is my son, and he's here for me. And I said, okay. He says that it's open. She goes, no, he's full of rage. He's trying to play it cool with you. He just is testing you to see if you're any good. He doesn't believe in what you do. He thinks you're a fraud. And I said, okay, well, this is really interesting. (laughs) And fun. Yeah. And okay, so how am I going to approach this? Because if I just go into feeling annoyed, then how am I really going to help him if I'm annoyed? But Kelly, I don't know how to really describe this because I really thought at this point, I feel an absolute rage building up in me. So is it mine at him that he's sitting there treating me this way and playing games with me? Or is it the synesthesia that his rage is building and he's trying to control it? Because he's sitting in the chair looking calm and cool. So is this explosive rage inside? So when I ask his spirit guides what his thoughts are, I hear him very clearly saying things in his head like, well, she's any freaking good. Then she should know it's my mother. She should know exactly what I'm here for. And if she's no good, she's just like that Teresa Caputo. That's what I heard. She's just like her. She's all TV, all fraud. They're all frauds. These women. These women. They're all frauds. Well, we'll notice a theme already that mom's coming through and his rage is at women. Yeah. And yet he hasn't picked a male medium. He's picked a female medium. 
So I sat there and I thought, okay, I really need his spirit guides. I really need them to help me. Because at this time, then, I want to make sure that I'm going to do this right for him. Because he's also vulnerable. As much as he feels all of these things, and he thinks these things, and some of them are not favorable or kind, or just non judgmental towards me personally, I don't want to take it personally. I want to be able to sit there and just be in work mode. So I said to the guides, okay, so how do I approach this? And his mom says to me, um, I need you to do five things for me and in this order. So I'm going to give you one thing per um, every few minutes or whatever it is. And you have to follow my lead and not change it no matter what he says to you. And I'm thinking, okay, I can do that. I like that kind of a session. Neat. Just picking up on the no matter what he says to you part. Yeah. So that listeners can remember this. Okay. And that I'm trying to always be aware of if it's his emotion or my emotion and if it's his mom's emotions because they came in too. So I'm trying to pay attention synesthetically to three different people's emotions, two humans and one person in the spirit world. And I'm trying to be respectful of both of theirs and mine. And I'm trying to make sure that I keep mine first, that I know what my feelings are going to be in sorting this. So now I'm looking at my guides every now and then to look at them like, am I okay? So I'm checking in with my own personal guides through this whole process so that I'm healthy, so that I'm not absorbing on any of this between uh, about what's going on in between his mom and himself. Okay. I want to say at this point that I feel I'm earning my money. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. I, I, with, with all of this stuff that's happening, it anyway... Okay. I think I think anyone can relate to that in a job or career. Mm-hmm. That if you have a difficult customer or client or other professional that you have to deal with and consult with, mm-hmm. that when anything is confrontational or difficult, you can feel like, oh, I wish I was earning double right now. Yeah. And sometimes, remember, we had a friend at one time who said, Some, you should charge that person double because it meant that you it to took... work twice as hard. Yeah. So I put my attention toward his mother and I said go give me number one and she says to me I will show you and so like it's a tv screen on my floor because now I'm staring down at the carpet it's like a tv screen appears and I watch a younger version of her with a bunch of children and it's a house and I not an apartment it's a house and I get to see what the house looks like from the outside and I get to see what it also looks like from the inside. But what is worse is what I hear. So I hear her screaming. I hear her yelling. I hear mean, mean, critical things. I see her hitting. Not once, many times. I see her pinning the kids down. I see her brutality. And when I look around to see who's helping these kids, I see his dad walk out of the house. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I am horrified. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't even know at this point if I should say this to him. Because I I don't know how much damage it's going to do. 
to tell him this is what I'm seeing. And that's what she says to me. You don't get to choose. You're the medium. Do your job. And so I said, okay. I looked at my spirit guides and I said, am I good to go? And my spirit guide said, yes, you are. Do your job. So I turned to Perry and I said, Perry, I said, you want medium. You want your mother. You're a liar. You have lied to me. And that's how we've begun the session with your lie. And I said, but I need to tell you that what your mom has shown me is upsetting. And I need your permission. And he said, oh, yeah, you can do anything. Yeah, sure. You think you got my mom? Yeah, you go for it. But he doesn't even believe that I do. So I said to him, your mom has shown me your home. Mm-hmm. And I said, outside and inside? Yep. Well, you prove that to me then. And I said, she's showing me that she spoke critically, meanly. She screamed. She yelled. She demeaned. She belittled. And I said, she brutalized you with words and your siblings equally. And I said, she held you down. She hit you. She struck all of you. And I said, in the whole time that your mother verbally and physically assaulted all of you, your father walked out of the house. And he said, yep. Hmm. And I said, I am so sorry. And he folded his arms across his chest and looked me straight in the face like I'm not giving you an inch. You just got lucky. I still don't believe you. And out of his mouth came, you're no better than Teresa Caputo. And I said, what do you mean? I don't watch it. I said, so I don't understand your comment. I don't watch much TV. I don't get it. And he says, just go for the drama. Just try to make people cry. I'm not going to cry. And I said, well, that's not why I did that. I said, you said an open session and your mom here and she wants me to do some things for you. And the first thing is to say that she's here and to affirm for you what your childhood was like, to, to be honest. That somebody, a stranger, is hearing what happened in your home. He goes, yeah, well, what about that home? I said, it was out in the bush. It was out in the middle of nowhere. I said, even if the children decided to leave or run, they had nowhere to go. Dad brought you all back. He didn't hit them. He didn't demean them, but he brought them back. So he was part of it. They saw him as part of it. So she said to me, please tell him I was aware of what I did. I know it was wrong, and I knew it was wrong then. And I said, okay. So I told him that. I said, your mom wants you to know that she knows it was wrong now because she's dead. But she knew it was wrong when she was alive. She knew it was wrong then. So she's trying to say to you, she was aware of it. But that's the level of her anxiety and the level of her rage. And the fact that she didn't get any help, didn't want any, didn't attempt to get any, neither did her husband. And I said, so the first thing she's trying to give you is the acknowledgement that she was aware so that you won't think anything else, that you can know that for certain that you won't wonder if she understood what she was doing. Can you illustrate for your listeners why that's important? Well, my understanding, at least, Kelly, to some degree, is that a lot of clients need to hear that the parent or the person who abused them 
knew what they were doing. Because some of them have said to me that through therapy or what friends have said, that someone has told them that they were not aware. Um, and I think that leaves you very confused then as a kid. Well, I want to go another step further because if you're being fed the idea that the adult wasn't aware, mm-hmm. then it has to be for mental issues. Yeah. And there can be a much larger issue at hand if the person really is manic depressive, mm-hmm. is really a split personality disorder because that plays into a family history and medical. And that is something that children can grow up to be young adults and adults and worry, is this going to be hereditary and passed on? Mm-hmm. So to have the affirmation that they were aware that this isn't a mental illness, that this is behavioral choices that were made, that can alleviate some kind of stress. Mm -hmm. The knowledge helps because then you know how to go forward with the information. Yeah, and I think too, for some clients, as far as I could see, that was a change point when they changed therapists or when they changed friend groups. She said to tell him that she withheld love, she withheld safety, and she withheld food on purpose. So she was saying she was aware of what she did, and she pointed all of these things out, and he just folded his arms over his chest again and sat back in the chair. I know that there's so much defiance in the behavior that you're describing, but I do want listeners to hear how much embarrassment there also is. Mm -hmm. because while they might sit there and put on a a show of strength or a show of I'm a brick wall, there's embarrassment, A, that that was our mother, Mm -hmm. B, that that's how I was treated, Mm -hmm. and that's how my family existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said it was so important to me to be able to be in the right place for him. So that as he's feeling shame, as he's embarrassed, that I'm not going to add to his suffering. And that if I stay outside of that and give clear, concise messages and stay neutral, that it might give him an opportunity to heal. When when he's ready. Yeah. Because that has to be on his terms. That can't be on mine in that session, that one hour. That those aren't on my terms. The second thing she said to tell him was that she wanted to validate him that he was right, that what he knew to be true of his history of his childhood was right. I like that she broke that up into two different points. That acknowledgement of what happened isn't the same as saying and validating you were right, that both are equally important. Yeah, and and she also stressed in that little bit of that conversation too, Kelly, that she did that so that she could put the blame on herself and not on the other kids. And that's why I wanted to point out why they're two separate things. Because I think if some people are listening to this and thinking, oh, this is a slower paced show, this is harder to listen to, and it's it's heavy content, Mm -hmm. we're not rushing through those two points because they're not the same thing. There are some people who would come through and illustrate the acknowledgement as step one, but never have grown into a place of being able to say you were right. They may go into their phase two of, but this is why I did it. And right. this is where I came from. Yeah. And and she wanted him to understand that she was taking full responsibility so that he wasn't angry at a brother who, you know, um, let the cat out and 
he's the one that mom took it out on. Or set her off. That's right. So that the responsibility could fall on her shoulders so that the relationships between the siblings and between him and his father could resolve in different ways. Nice. I thought that was a big one. Mm -hmm. He did not. (laughs) No, but okay. Not in those moments. He just sat there and he was very stone-faced. He didn't give me an inch. And that's okay because I'm recognizing in this process that he needs time to process this. So while he's looking at me and sitting in his chair, giving, I'll say, um, cues visually that he's not happy, that he doesn't like what I'm saying, that he doesn't like what I'm doing, he's not stopping me. Mm -hmm. And part of our consent process is that you have the permission and the right to walk away at any time to end the session or to shut down a message. Yeah. So when I do my check-ins with him, he he gives them in weird little ways, Kel. He'll say things like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, we'll see. And it's it's done in negativity. Mm-hmm. He asked me to describe the house because he wanted proof. Even though I had described the entire way he lived his childhood, the types of things she lost control over, he wanted to know what the house looked like. And he made references here again to Teresa Caputo and the TV medium stuff. And I just remembered sitting back thinking, hmm, I wonder what he's doing. He seems so conflicted by this. He wants the information, but he doesn't really know what he wants. So he's listening and watching something on TV, doesn't believe in it, and feels so confused. She came in and said to me, the outside of the house was siding on the top, brick on the bottom. And I said, okay, unpainted, unpainted brick on the bottom. And I said, okay. She said there were no back steps coming up the back. It was like you had to almost jump out the back door. It was only two feet off the ground, but there was no step. And I said, okay. So I told him little things like that. And he said, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, like this. And I said, it was isolated. So I remote viewed and I came up higher and higher and higher so that I could see the home and see that it was fenced in. And she said to me, He felt like a caged animal. He felt caged. And that went with him into his first marriage where he felt like a caged animal. So there was always this restlessness, this pacing, this fear of being stuck inside. uh, And an absolute rage in anything with his first wife. He wouldn't agree with me. He told me he wasn't married. And I said he'd lied to me. He said he was hard of hearing. I said You wear hearing aids and you purposely didn't wear them here today to see me, to play games with me. And he said he did have hearing aids. He wasn't wearing them and he smiled at me. Sometimes in these types of sessions, I don't know what to do. And I have to sit there in my own discomfort when somebody is so deeply in their own. I asked his mom what was the next step. And she said the next step was to apologize. And I said, for what? And she said, I made sure that the kids didn't trust each other. And to this very day, they still can't. She says, I am apologizing because of the long-term effect that everything I did to all of them. It wasn't just to demean one person, it was all of them. But it was so that they couldn't even trust each other. It was so that they felt relief that if somebody else was getting beaten, it wasn't them. 
Well, and it keeps them powerless. Yeah. And it keeps them in a complete rage with their father, who ended up turning to alcoholism eventually. So he added more pain to the family. I told him that. I said that she wanted to go through these five steps and that she wanted to do them all in a particular order and that she thought or was hoping that by doing them in this order that he would be able to hear everything, that he would be able to take time to digest it and to give him time to do so. She wanted to apologize for every single thing she did. She wanted to make sure that she listed those things. So I took the time. She would give the list. I would say it to him. He just sat there and listened. Again, showing as little emotion as possible for me. Then her fourth step was to say, I want you to tell him I regret it. And I said, okay. So I said it word for word that your mom, I told him, I said, Percy, your mom says that she regrets everything she did. Meaning she is sorry that she feels remorse. His response was, okay. And the fifth step, Kelly, was that she asked for forgiveness, but that it could be in his own time. And that if he didn't feel in this lifetime that he could get there, that was okay. She was okay with that. That she understood that it had to be in his terms on on his day. And that if he decided to give it a little bit one day, and another day he went backwards back into the anger and he didn't forgive her, that that would be okay. And that she wanted him to know that he had control. She said that she felt sorrow and that in the spirit world, she grieved the losses that she saw each of her children and her spouse go through from the actions and inactions, the words and the lack of words that she did in that life. And that there was sorrow for that, that she could see how it had ruined her marriage, that she could see the things that it had done all the way through his life, how it had woven in his thoughts in his behaviors, in his feelings, in every single action of his life, and that there was a great sorrow for this. She also said that she was sorry that she missed out on knowing him, that she was sorry she missed his personhood. That's how she worded it, that she missed out on watching him be a child and a toddler and a teenager and go through all those stages because she didn't see him. She only saw herself. And that she was sorry she had missed out on his life, his character, the things he actually did in his life, but in, in just his personality, that she didn't engage to get to know it. And that on these, in the spirit world, she grieved that loss. Hmm. Is it fair to say that that last comment that you made on her behalf is the closest thing that she would have been able to say, I love you? That's a really good question. I think so. I think that's deeply saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, to hear the words, I love you then, from a mom who had raised you that way would never make sense. No, but exactly. But to hear the words, yeah. I grieved that loss would mean I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he appeared untouched, unmoved. He complained. He wanted to know, well, can't you see what she looks like? Can't you see her eye color? Can't you? He went into some defense mode for the rest of that session. And I said to him, Percy, what do you need? 
because he was going off on a rail like or I don't know what that expression like a sidetrack or something and I said Percy what do you need and he said I'm fine do I have cancer and I said yes prostate so no agenda and I'm fine but he wants to know if he has cancer and this is how it happened I'm literally changing topics the way he did it he said yes prostate yep stage three will I die just like that and I turned to his spirit guides and went to ask them for the information. And his mom stepped between me and the spirit guides. <laughs> and she said to me, he's using his anger with me to fight to stay alive. Wow. Yeah. Did she elaborate on that? No, she did not. That was her comment. Mm-hmm. And then she just disappeared on me. She stepped away and out, and his spirit guides came forward. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want anything after that. He was done. That was the end of the session. Did that bring you to time, like what he had booked, or was it just sort of, I want to be done now? No, that brought us to the end of time, but he still just didn't want to say anything. Mm -hmm. Some clients, even once it's the end of the hour, they still, oh, can I ask one more question? Mm -hmm. Or... There's, you know, sometimes if you have a session like this, as you well know, it does go over. It, it, it isn't right to the minute because you really can't leave a person in a certain situation or in a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. There is a need for resolution or completion. He didn't want it. So I just sat, I waited. I thought, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to ask his spirit guides what they want. They said, sit, wait, give him space. So I did. And he just picked up and left. Well, congratulations for being able to go through step one to five. Mm -hmm. So analytically, Mm -hmm. so detached. And I want to kind of spell out this dual feeling because there's a detachment from what the person will do with the messages. Mm -hmm. But there's a tremendous attachment to the amount of love that has to happen for those messages to come through. Kelly, I could feel how much regret and sorrow mm-hmm. she felt. I wanted to bawl. Yeah. And you, and there's, I correct me if I'm wrong, there's such an immense feeling of awe when we hear these messages as mediums and have to be the channel for them. But to conduct yourself so analytically and so professionally, that's the dual feeling I'm, I'm talking about. Yeah, there were parts during this where I felt envious that he was getting an apology and acknowledgments for things that I wish I had had from certain people in my life. And that from what I could see at the beginning, he didn't, he didn't appreciate And I'm just going to say that loosely right now. Yeah, because yet. That's right. And I do understand that. But I just remember in the moment wanting to cry out of my own anxiety because I didn't get that. He's getting it. And I haven't had it with certain people. So it was conflicting at times where I had to be able to sit and be aware of my own feelings, my own thoughts, and listen to those. And then go back to the spirit guides, mine to check in and make sure I was okay, do my job properly, process my shit later, (laughs) listen to his mom, listen to his thoughts, and go through the whole process with him. And feel compassion, not annoyance. 
because his behavior towards me as Karen, as a human being, as a medium, was so disrespectful. Mm -hmm. So, so disrespectful from start to finish, including paying, leaving all of his comments. Oh, you, everybody, you guys just always want to get the cry. You just want the emotions. Like all of his comments, and I haven't gone into them to the degree that he did. I'm just saying them just as briefly as I can, not to, you know. Well, they're not the point of the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and I think in this session, just listening to the spirit guides, listening to his mom and feeling everything was over was overwhelming. And I hoped, I hope still, and I hope to continue to hope for this person, <laughs> that at, as he rethinks of that hour, maybe tells somebody about it or just processes it again, that his, his feelings can change each time. It's a hope. I'm not saying that it's something that has to happen or that it necessarily will. I guess it's just my hope for humans. Well, and I hope too that through that message, some people will walk away going, okay, I might not get what he got until my person passes, mm -hmm. but there's a hope that I will get it then. Right. And I can be okay with that. And I know <sighs> that's what we talk about when we say, you know, you, you end up getting what you deserve and karma, however you want to word how we get our consequences in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. There can be a hope that someone will have that empathy, that regret, that apology for us so that love can continue. Yeah, you know, Kelly, like there were times where I've wondered since then if he just wished to hear that his mom was in hell, you know, like, would that be her karma? I just I just came here to find out that from a medium that she's in hell and that she's just burning or that she's just rotting there or that she's suffering and she's in her agony, you know, whatever, whatever, like how he conjures up somebody being in agony. Like, <laughs> but the remorse, the sorrow is just that. Yes. Okay. Well, I appreciate how heavy that was. Yeah. And I hope if someone's listening to it and they're the mom, <laughs> they're the one that's behaved that way, that maybe they listen to this and they think, wow, maybe I don't wait till I'm dead. Maybe I do pick up the phone. Maybe I do FaceTime, Skype or drop by and make an effort, buy a plane ticket, whatever it is that you have to do. Maybe you don't wait. Maybe you go through those five processes. Maybe you re-listen to this show and write them freaking down and you take them step by step. Perfect. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at bysarlo.com. Otherwise, we wish you a happy weekend. We have our Sips of Sanity show coming up on Monday, which is extremely exciting. When you tune in through the website, you will actually get to see that there is visual with that podcast. And we have an exceptionally exciting podcast coming up for Coffee with the Sarlows next Saturday. Regan Pictures has done a visual for that one as well. So if you are listening to it through iTunes or any other podcast medium, you can find it on the website or YouTube with the visual.